Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Just End the Suffering Podcast. We're New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. For the most part, I'm your host, Mike Phillips. We took a week off of the sports last week. We're going to have a sports episode coming in a few days. We're going to talk to Martina Pucci about the NBA Finals. We're going to talk some Rangers in a few days. It's going to be coming out on Wednesday, the sports stuff. We're going to do a little summer pop culture kickoff here. I got two uh, guests here for you. Have some fun. I'll be joined just a minute by Sandra. We're going to talk about season four of Stranger Things, the buzz of the week on Netflix. We're going to break it down into two chunks because with how quick the Season came out, and life getting away. I was able to watch all seven at once, so we got through four. We're going to talk about the first four. We're going to take a break, come back in a week, do the other three. Also be joined in just a bit by the great John Stanko of Barstool Sports. Continue an annual tradition here on the podcast, do the summer movie preview with John. So we're going to go into all your favorite movies, talk a few other things as well with Stanko. A lot of fun there. If you like what you hear on this podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, all the usual suspects, simply search for Just End the Suffering Your Favorite Podcast platform and follow episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and star ratings as well. And with the podcast, even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of these conversations with Sam and Stanka are going to be up on the YouTube page. Again, it is Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get into our opening tip. We're going to talk about the first few episodes of Stranger Things right after this. All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, the summer pop culture special here, talking Stranger Things, Volume 1, Episodes 1 through 4. Join me today for the probably one of the biggest pop culture events of the year. Our pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rose, is here. Sam, how are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you? Doing very good, I got to say. I am glad that we started this. I'm glad Season 4 so far to me has lived up to the hype. Yes, and I'm so excited to finish off the season. I am, like, patiently waiting. I still have everything blocked on social media, so I'm excited. Yeah, I haven't had that problem as much as I feel because I have so, so many Star Wars things. My feed blows up on anything Star Wars. <laughs> so, like, when it came out last Friday, Kenobi came out at midnight because they dropped their own. So I got to watch Kenobi. I'm not getting spoiled because my feed will blow it up at the, how much Star Wars stuff I look at. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been overwhelmed with more Star Wars things as well, but I still have a few of those people I follow who are – uh a little too eager to share their opinions and ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get to uh, the Stranger Things, what do you think of Obi-Wan Kenobi? I, uh, I really liked it. I was a little skeptical because I was worried. Um, but the first two episodes, I feel like we're good builders. Um, I was not expecting, um, you know, seeing like little Princess Leia and everything. Like, I, I just wasn't expecting that. So that was nice. I, I kept myself pretty um, in the dark about anything Kenobi related. So... I uh, just very, I'm just very excited to see how this um, is going to go. Very excited. Yeah. Yeah. And we said this on the Sky Guys too. I'm sure you agree with this. 
they nailed young Leia. Like the actress they got, I forgot her. She's in Bird Box, most famously. She nailed that character. Yeah, I mean, she, to a, to a T. It was like so weird. I was like getting like chills. Yeah, I will say, great character from her. Flea, not so much. Uh, yeah. I mean, he must have made a deal with Disney somehow. That's my guess. Uh, but it, I was like, is that the guy from the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Sure. I was like, no, no, no. And then I like looked it up when you said something. I was like, yeah, you're right. Jeez. Yeah, because I thought it was. And I saw the credits. They put Flea. I'm like, oh, wow. They actually did get Flea to do this show. <laughs> Which is so random. But maybe he's trying to like, you know, move on from music. Well, I mean, they have had some random cameos in these shows where, I mean, Thundercat was in Book of Boa Fett for a couple of episodes, too, so. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, enough about Thundercat, though. If you want the Star Wars stuff, you can go to the Sky Guys this week. We did the whole premiere. We did a, about hour 40 on that and what's going on celebration, so that's coming up here. But so you understand here what we're doing for Stranger Things here because Netflix decided to change up the format. Because we agreed to do this. Okay, I figured, you know, five episodes here, four in July. Is he great? And Netflix says, we're dropping seven, and they're all going to be at least an hour long. So Sam and I had a little huddle. We said, okay, we cannot do all seven in a quick, that quick a turnaround here. At least I can't because I have too much going on. So we're going to do four today. We're supposed to do three. Sam says we do four, which I, I am thankful for her for making that suggestion. And we are doing the ne- other three on the regular Justin the Suffering podcast next week in the two-minute drill spot. So four this week, three next week. If you want to stay with us now, you have to watch at least through episode four without risk of being spoiled. I mean, it's a perfect spot to stop, you know, and watch. So, I mean, I think we're 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 viewing it correctly. Yeah, I think we are viewing it correctly. Although, I wish with this stuff, especially considering I'm Twitter, like all the hashtags are Stranger Things and everything is basically out there by now. It's like, I wish that they would sort of follow the model of some of these other shows and like do it weekly at least because considering they're having problems with getting subscribers to stay, like this does not seem like the correct model for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was just like from these episodes, not going into detail at all. I just wanted to watch the whole thing. Like it was hard enough for me to stop at four. I just like that kind of format. Um, but you know, for subscribers, I, I think Netflix is playing around with a lot of things right now. I mean, they have not, they're not opposed to weekly drops. I mean, they drop the circle weekly. They do four at a time, which I think is a little weird, but okay. And like, I think this one, like the amount of buzz it gets, the thing I don't understand is like, they do the buzz and then like I get they split it this time, but they have a buzz for maybe like a week. Then it's gonna be like gone until about like three days before the next one comes out. Then they're gonna have a week and it's gone again. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I'm I don't know that much about Netflix and scheduling, but it was a lot like that was a lot of television for us. Like that's a lot of television for anyone. Yeah. And I love watching, you know, mindlessly on television, but you know, you have to pay attention in the show. Oh, yeah. So it's like you're watching, what, you know, seven plus hours of television because they're all over an hour. Yeah, I think they said the, the runtime of the whole season is about like 13, 14 hours, something like that. <laughs> That's so insane. I guess they just want to go out with a bang, huh? Yeah, I mean, if you've watched, the, at least seen the runtimes here, the first episode, I think it's like an hour 16, an hour 15. The third is the shortest one of the whole batch. It's an hour three. There's an hour 19 for episode four is where we left off. I didn't look at five and six. I know episode seven, which is the first end of the batch here. We'll talk about next week. Hour 38 minutes. It's going to be like a whole movie, that episode. You think that's a movie. Wait till the finale. In volume two, they have two episodes. I think the seventh, eighth episode I think is an hour 25 minutes. And episode nine is two hours and 30 minutes. <sighs> No way. 
Okay. That, I like, I don't even know. Like, I, I am so excited. I'm just so excited because I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this like batch of episodes, but like, what the hell are they going to do for the last two? I gotta say, I, had, I was curious at the runtime when it started. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. these seem long. Have you heard of editing? Like, is there is a process of, you know, maybe this should have been a whole separate season, but having watched the episodes with how big the cast is, I don't feel like there's many wasted minutes in there. I feel like they've done a good job sort of servicing everyone's story. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, like, it didn't feel like over an hour, you know, sometimes because I'm like, oh, this is going to be forever. I feel like I'm going to want to fast forward or something or take a break. And then I just am like, oh, the first it's done. Like it's finished already. Like, so I was like entertained the whole time, which is hard to keep my attention. um, Fun fact on any television shows. (laughs) Yeah, because, like, there are some times when I, like, watch shows where I'm sitting there, I look at the runtime, see, like, 57, like, four, like 59, like, why? Like, have you heard of editing? And then, like, I like this one was, I saw the runtime, very skeptical, and I think it's, again, a function of just, you know, they have so many characters across all these plots that they're trying to service, and, like, I don't really think anybody's gotten short shrifts thus far in terms of the actual, what we've seen at this, at this point. No, and I think all the storylines are given an appropriate timeline as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So general thoughts on what we've seen so far, episodes one to three. Uh, general thoughts so far is it's really awesome. I'm having a lovely time. Um, every Okay, did you feel like everybody got so old looking? Yeah, I mean, they all, all the kids <laughs> shot up, especially I think like, I, I, I think uh, Lucas particularly like really grew, I think like four or five inches from the last time we saw him. I mean, like, and everyone looks so old, um, you know, not going too far ahead of things, but like in some of like the flashbacks or whatever, just like they look so young just in like last season. And then now I'm like, holy crap, these kids are adults. Yeah. I also noticed that we talked offline about how the budget for this thing is supposedly $30 million an episode, which I was sitting there wondering, okay, how are they going to spend this money? Like that was really a running gag of mine. Like how they spend the money in these episodes. And then you see, obviously, factoring that everybody in the cash makes a lot of money now because they had to mm-hmm. pay all these people to stay. And then you, the CGI, the special effects, like the rights, like it all adds up. But the looks like a very crisp progress. No, like she Hulk glaring uh, trailer, like shortfalls with the CGI. Yeah. Um, and it's. Like, were you, I was, were you scared at all the first, like, two episodes? I was, like, a little, like, ugh, like, spooked. I gotta say, the, I'm gonna, again, I put it at the top of the podcast, I'll play it again here, the good old spoiler warning here for people who have not, somehow stumbled about 10 minutes in this conversation without, without seeing the episodes yet. <laughs> those first couple of deaths we get, those are probably some of the most gruesome we've seen on this show. Yeah, like I was, I started this at night. I watched Star Wars first. I watched Kenobi first because it was like, okay, watch Kenobi first, like not just to get it out of the way or anything, but just like so you could focus on Stranger Things. And it's late at night, Friday night. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like I was like, uh, uh, like I, I had to watch, I had to stay up and watch something else. Like I was so spooked. Yeah, you know what my palate cleanser is after a Stranger Things episode right now? What is it? The floor is lava. The floor is, wait, did they come out with new episodes? New episodes are coming on Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that, that'll be a, that's a great palate cleanser. Yeah. Just I'll save that for the, you know, for the last couple episodes. Yeah, that's my palate cleanser, but, like, the deaths, especially, I think, like, of the cheerleader Chrissy and the uh, kid who works the newspaper with with Nancy, Nancy. The, uh, the kid's name is Fred, like, 
and you see basically like levitating the air, all their bones are snapping in the wrong directions, and their like eyeballs being gouged out. It's like, man, this got dark. Yeah, real dark really fast. Like it really got like that first the first episode. And when she's hallucinating, yeah. like when she sees those visions, yeah. like that was scary too. Yeah, like and so psychological. Yeah, there's a very different levels of horror with this show right now. There's like three or four different tiers of like horror storylines going on to like. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Also, I feel like the best way to approach is sort of like look at there's I think there's three main storylines going on right now, and I think one is clearly worse than the other two. Okay. Yeah. Which one's which one's worse for you? I think the Hopper storyline is like very very poor compared to the other two storylines. Exactly, and it's just like very. It feels very redundant. Yeah, I feel like it's the exact same trio we had last year where it was Hopper, Murray, and uh, Joyce, Joyce trying, like, all in the same storyline where Joyce and Murray are trying to help Hopper out. <laughs> Hopper is still in prison at this point, four episodes in. He had a plan with a corrupt Russian prison guard to get out of prison. The prison guard's associate turns on him, and apparently he's talking about, like, trading uh, Joyce and Murray to the Russians to get more money. It's like... I feel like we, this, this one, I feel like could have been an email. Yeah. Um, I just feel like they could have, he could have been gone already. Like, like, I, I guess I don't understand USSR, you know, yeah. the USSR and like the prison stuff and whatever, but like, I feel like it could have been resolved quicker. Yeah. Like, you know, since he's still in prison, like, why isn't he not out like halfway through the season? Yeah. Because we are just, we're just about to hit the halfway point when we pick up again here. And four episodes in, he's still in the same spot. And it looks like they're going to be bringing uh, Joyce and Murray to him to continue that storyline. Which to me is like, we're getting yeah. just taking us further away from the most interesting stuff, the adults. Exactly. But, but, glad to see Murray. Love Murray. There's something about him that makes me laugh every time. Like, I love Winona Ryder, don't get me wrong. But like, I just think he's so funny. Yeah. Just something about him. Were you a big fan of his risotto? Oh, yeah, I know, right? The <laughs> whole, like, the whole, and then again, going back to, like, the kids growing up. Yeah. Uh, what's his face? Jonathan and whatever his name is, Argyle. Yep. Um, that whole, like, smoking pot thing. Like, and they're just, like, shoving the risotto down. It was funny. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just a little more adult themes this time around, which is kind of, you know, funny for us. Yeah, there's that's their storyline pretty much. You can do that, like, in emails. Like, Ropper's trying to get out. He's trying to get help. He's not getting much. Help. He gets double crossed. The guard gets arrested too. So like, yeah. I do you think we get him out of Russia before the end of the first batch or no? He like he better get out of Russia in the first batch. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna be annoyed if he's still there. Like, are like they better not kill him off. Like I'm. That's what I'm worried about. To be honest with you. Because for a show with this many characters, like. You don't a lot of the main you don't get many main character deaths on Stranger Things. I know, Things. and that's what I'm worried about because it's the last season, you know. Second to last. They have one more still. Oh, we're doing season five? They I thought are, this was it. Nope, season five. There's this is gonna be the last season. Oh, well, okay. So I'm not as worried now. You just took a whole weight off my shoulders. Why did I think this was the last one? Is it because it's just so grand and there's so many like <laughs> hours worth of Stranger Things season four compared to like Everything else. the last three seasons? Yeah, I mean we still have, I think, a about like maybe three and a half hours in this volume still to go. Yeah. At least maybe closer to four. Yeah. That's going to, it's going to be, it's a lot. Like I, I can't even like, you know, after watching season four, I can see one storyline where that's going. But other than that, like I have no idea. Yeah. I think the other storyline, I think it's 
more interesting to me is the Eleven storyline, where like she we saw at the end of season three, she goes with the buyers over to California. She and Will are in a school or in high school over there. She's not getting along with like a couple of her classmates, including like the the HBIC Angela who. Is makes out to like insult her. She gets in a fight with Angela mm-hmm. and smacks her with a, a at a roller skating rink with a skate and basically busts her nose open. And, yeah, and we find out later on that like she gets arrested for it, but she gets bailed out by good old Doctor Owens from season two, who is recruiting her to say to basically restore her powers, try and have her become a superhero again. And she was not in episode four. I feel like we're gonna touch back on that soon, but I do think it was interesting to see Elsewhere pick up the pieces without Hopper and without her powers. Yeah, so I'm very, I'm very interested to see what he truly means by that. Cause you know, like adults, the adults have been like, you know, the bad guys throughout this entire, you know, show basically. It's like adults can't really be trusted or to do their job. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like Dr. Owens is one of the few exceptions. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just so worried. Yeah. I just, I'm worried about that one. Um, but that California storyline, like I started getting like, you know itching to like do something so i'm hoping that in this second half it's gonna like explode or hopefully not just stay and do nothing but yeah i mean as far as we saw most of these characters i mean will was out there and like i think they're kind of hinting that he's gay and we haven't like oh i was just gonna say that i was like i think i was gonna say did you get like the he's trying to come out yeah like to his friends and stuff yeah, because I mean, you get the hints from the opening letter that Eleven writes to Mike, because he's saying, "Oh, you know, like I think Will likes someone." And then you see like one of like his female players try to get his attention. He's really not interested. So like, you're kind of getting the sense that like he's trying to like come out, but like he hasn't found the right vehicle to do it yet. Yeah. Plus, he's so cute. I was like his little tucked in shirt. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Will's so cute. Like yeah. this entire t- like that's what I've been saying yeah. during that whole entire storyline. And how annoying Jonathan is. Has yeah. he always been annoying? I feel like he has his ups and downs. Right now, Jonathan, basically, his storyline is, like, he separated from Nancy. He's become a stoner with his buddy Argyle and mm-hmm. works at a pizza joint. And, like, he is apparently, like, not sure he's going to go to the same college as Nancy. And, like, he's applying to a JUCOs in the area because he can't doesn't want to leave his family. So, like, there's some stuff that I think is going to get brought up, like, when he – and the two groups are definitely meet up again. Yeah, I'm thinking, like – I don't know. Like, maybe they're just secretly broken up, the both of them, and they just don't want to admit it. Yeah to anybody you know i feel like it's like sketchy vibes it's it is pretty sketchy and we have mike now in that storyline too as he flew out to see l on spring break oh, mike mike is so annoying he's yeah. one of my least favorite characters like he's been important he's been like super important the entire time but he's been so annoying the entire time i feel like mike really i think starting in season three became a douche <laughs> yeah he did and he i got- just i mean like dustin's been the same like that's why i love that character i love yeah. dustin he's yeah. one of my all-time favorites yeah, he so he I feel especially like the way he treats Will like, in there and Will makes a valid point. Like, you know, like you write to L like every week and I never hear from you. I'm like, aren't weren't we best friends? And like I feel bad for Will at that moment. Yeah, first off, Will gets stuck in the upside down. Like literally in the first season, the poor guy is like fighting for his life. And then he has PTSD and his friends are kind of like assholes to him about like, it's fine, you're fine, Will. You know what I mean? Like poor Will's been getting the short stick this entire series. Yeah, I don't. I think of all the characters in the main cast this season, apart from maybe uh, Erica Sinclair, I feel like he's gotten the least like meaningful like screen time. Yeah, I like. I, I'm mad. There's no. Uh, there's not as much Erica. I think this she. Season. I think she works well. She's worked well in the spots she showed up in so far. 
Yeah, no, I was so excited when she was there. Like, I was like, yes, Erica, finally. Like, yeah. she was such like a, a, like a breakout star from last season. And, you know, when you don't have her until, like, what, episode, like, three did she show up in? Uh, was, was it in, two? She, no, she was, she, she was in one. She was replaced for Lucas when he couldn't go to the uh, D&D campaigns. He was playing in the championship game. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, this is what happens when you throw on all this hours of footage on my brain's, like, trying to process and stick up the timeline here. Yeah, though it does look like now that that the that they're all going back to Hawkins with Argyle in tow. So that's gonna be fun to see where see them meet up and see Argyle get his first look at how crazy Hawkins is. Yeah, I do I really do like Argyle. He's uh he's weird, but he's a very likable character. He is. Let's go down to the Hawkins storyline here, which you got a lot of stuff with all the kids in high school, sort of have mm-hmm. like Luke is trying to be popular, he's on the basketball team, he's the game winning shot in the championship game. We see that uh, Dustin and Mike are in the Dungeons and Dragons club with uh, the new guy, Eddie, who runs the club. We see uh, Max sort of isolate herself from the group like after her brother died in season three. So there's a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah, and then also Steve and Robin are working at the video store together, which is hilarious. And Nancy's do- doing stuff with the school newspaper. It's really all we still, get. Still, you know, I thought she was like graduated already. Like, I don't know what it is in my brain. I'm like, Nancy, what are you still doing in high school? <laughs> yeah, I thought she graduated too. I was like, shocked you're still there. Right? I guess she was. I guess Steve was just a year older than them. Yep. I think that's just how it was. But like in my mind, I thought they were all the same age. Um, but this has been my favorite storyline oh. out of all three. Yeah, there's all sorts of angles to it. I like it too. I mean, like the Max angles where he sort of left off episode four, where she starts having the same like, creepy like visions and like living nightmares that we that the two murder victims had and she's trying to escape the demon vecna which is a really 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 cool villain he is yeah he is evil and psychological like and he just like he's equal parts like gets in your head like you know like as you saw like in episode four when they were like going through and you can see who he targets specifically like people you know who have headaches and all that stuff you know can't sleep nightmares you know suffered trauma basically and it was just like wow this guy is this guy is mean he is not nice (laughs) yeah and i if i am the basketball player who starts having the nosebleeds i'm not feeling good about my future in the show i feel like he's gonna be the next murder victim (laughs) yeah well i know that was it's a little nerve-wracking but yeah, the drama, I think, also is that the first murder victim is Chrissy, the head cheerleader's dating the captain of Lucas's basketball team. And mm-hmm. the guy, I think she was actually talking to Eddie, like, and trying to get drugs from him and try and deal with the craziness she was seeing at that point. And then yeah. at that point, Eddie ends up being there when she when she gets killed, basically gets accused of being accused of murder as to go into hiding with help from Dustin and his crew, which I think was a lot of fun seeing that group work together. And then Nancy quickly ends up joining them. So like that, at least to start to bring the elements together a little quickly there. Yeah. And then going back to the whole Nancy, Jonathan breakup thing, like when she sees Steve and stuff, like it's like this cute little, you know, reunion that they have, yeah. which was like really cute because yeah. everybody hated Steve. And then he was so cool after season one. And yeah. And Dustin calls us out in the show too. He's like, Steve, you still, you still like Nancy. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah. Oh my God. But I, I just, I'm just really, I just really love this storyline. I don't know what it is about it. It gives a little bit of like, um, haunting of Hill house, uh, a little bit of, um, what's the, not exorcist Jesus. It's the one with all the ghosts. The shining. Um, what the shining, the shining. Yeah. There's like a bunch of different like horror 
things in there. It's like, I'm very, I'm very excited. Like they keep taking little pieces of everything. It's really cool. Yeah, I don't think it's interesting. Also, they we started out anyway, seeing like all these kids sort of going in their own separate directions. Especially Lucas is like I thought I felt bad for him because like he said, you know, like I'm tired of being bullied. I want to be popular. If I get to be on the basketball team and I'm in with them, you guys are in. And then like Mike and Dustin, they're like, we don't care if we're popular. Like we're nerds. Like we accept ourselves. And Lucas is like I trying know. to do more than that. Yeah, they they give a lot of there's a lot of like, you know, you know how like the 80s were known for like the like motifs and stuff like, you know, like Teen Wolf, Breakfast Club, you know, 16 Candles. It all had those like specific storylines. I feel like they're all like shoving it in to each character gets their own little motif kind of deal, which is, I think, really interesting. Yeah, I I like following Max storyline too, where Max are trying to process like what's what happened in the last season where Billy dies and like she's broken up with Lucas and she's keeping to herself. She's not really she's sort of like in the friend group or passively in the friend group where she's not like actively participating in a lot of things. She ends up getting mm-hmm. drawn back in when like she thinks that she's the next to die from the, from the Vecna curse and the investigation that the group does manages to save her. So like that would surprise me a bit. Cause like, I was convinced that like this show is going to take a big swing and kill off one of the kids. And I figure they you know, like, Max is the easy one to kill because she's not one of the original kids and like affects a lot of people emotionally if it happens. So I thought they were going to do that. I was surprised they didn't. I really thought at the end when it like, when the, everything's falling and hits black, I yeah. was like, Oh my God, she's gone. Yeah. Like it, they were just going to end it or something crazy. And then, you know, like she drops down, but like that whole, like that whole sequence and the whole, you know, talking about it and her like going back thinking of like, love and everything and like you know love from friendships and from like you know lucas and everything like just having that happiness feeling like saved her kind of deal with music you know like you i i truly believe it wasn't the music that saved her it was like those thoughts towards the end but i just thought that was very like smartly done i know that's a bad way to phrase that but (laughs) it doesn't sound too smart of me saying smartly done but i thought that was done very well yeah, and believe it or not, like the song that she listen that she listens to in that show, "Run Up That Hill" with the old guy by Kate Bush, it's now number one on iTunes. <laughs> See, I only know that song done by Placebo because I heard that song the first time in the TV show Bones. Yeah, and then I remember listening to Kate Bush's version, so I really like that song too. And I was like crying. I was like, I love this song. Like, you know, like I was so sad. I was like, please don't kill Max. Like, I was so nerve wracking. Yeah, it was pretty nerve-wracking. This storyline also gave us one of my favorite things of the season, which was we end up having the group of Max, uh, Dustin, Steve, Nancy, and Robin, and then we end up pairing Nancy and Robin together for a lot of investigations. So it was so fun because Robin was clearly getting on Nancy's nerves the whole time, but at the end, she started to accept her. I thought that was fun. Yeah, no, I love, like, again, like, Rob, like from last season, Robin was, like, my all-time favorite character, and... Oh my God. She's still my favorite. She's so funny. I see a lot of myself in Robin, like the consistent talking and like the never ending. It's just like, I can't stop. Like, it's just so cute. Like, I think she's a great addition to like the group. Yeah. And I love also that she sort of plays off the, well, Nancy's at the very straight edge. Like I'm going to say reasons here. Robin has the emotional plea when they're trying to con their way into a mental institution to talk to Victor Creel, who was, one of the first victims of Vecna, the demon they're trying to fight. Like uh, mm-hmm. Nancy tries to go, oh, the cover story, like, oh, we're, we're graduates, we're students in Notre Dame, we're going for our thesis. And she kind of, you know, 
very blasé, sells it, and the director is not buying it. Then Robin just adds all this detail, goes to a big emotional storyline, and gets the yes. director to cave. I'm like, that's awesome. Dude, that was such a great monologue that she had. It was perfectly done. And it's like they play off each other great. So, like, you know, Robin helped them get out of that situation, and then Nancy's like, okay, now run. Yeah. Like, run. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, like, the different ideas. Like, they like they complement each other so well. And I also thought it was funny how Robin, like, talked earlier about how she was a very bad runner, and then they have her mile hawk running extremely awkwardly <laughs> to the car. And I was like, this is great. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I love that she's just, like, I can't run in these. When she just, like, walks out of the car, like, stumbles in the yeah, shoes. Yeah. And it's so funny. She's, I that that actress is amazing. Yeah, Maya Hawk, so Ethan Hawk's daughter. Yeah. She has it in the blood with, with, with the genes of her from Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman. Yes, I was going to say, I thought Uma Thurman was her mom, but I couldn't yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah, that's a great storyline, and I do I do think that even, like, this storyline, even in their moments, like, when the new characters interact, not any of our established people there, like, those still stand up pretty well. Yeah, no, um, I think every character that they've introduced who's here to stay for a couple episodes is compliments the group so well. I really, I really enjoy every character that they've been introducing. Yeah. I also like what happened with Lucas where Lucas just has to decide, you know, do I stick with the basketball guys? The basketball guys, like the cast, of the basketball team is like dating Chrissy who gets killed in the premiere. He thinks Eddie, the, the D and D club leader has done it. So he recruits battle team as he go after Eddie Lucas goes along initially and figures out what they're going to do and basically cons him and goes back to his friends at that point. Like, we knew it was going to happen. I thought it was nice for Lucas to have that moment. He's like, oh, I don't need these guys. I need to do the right thing. Yeah. Like I said, these 80s motifs yeah. that are coming out all, all throughout these first four episodes. It's definitely fun also when Lucas figures out to just drop, bring them all the way out to the old buyer's house to, to abandon there and run back to the school. That was fun. Yeah, God. See, I feel like Lucas is a very underestimated character. I think he's like one of the strongest guys in the group. Like he's just more quiet. Lucas had a good season so far. Yeah, so far he's he's great. Yeah, he is great. And we do sort of like get little bits of like Erica in the storyline where she shows up to take Lucas's place in the D&D game. And mm -hmm. she was so fun because like she was, I thought the, one of the most ridiculous things of that whole first four episode batch we watched was the, the really dramatically super long slow-mo when Lucas is taking the game-winning shot and she's rolling the dice to end the game of D&D. &D. I'm like, I'm like, I could have literally like walked my dog, come back, and it's still, still, still been going. I know, because I remember like sitting here, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like, and I'll like, I moved over. I'm like, all right. And I'm like, when is this going to end? <laughs> it feels like, it felt like one of those like awkward family guy like gags that goes on by like 30 seconds too long. Yeah. I don't know if you watch the Family Guy like Star Wars parodies. <laughs> no, I don't. But like when I'll give you an example, Return of the Return of the Jedi one, they do the head nod thing when Luke like nods to R two. They, uh -huh. they, they they play it out for about sixty seconds. Oh, that's that's something, huh? With, with different characters nodding back and forth at each other. My God, I'll 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 attempt to watch it. I'm not a huge Family Guy fan, but I'll send you the YouTube version of that. Like, that was <laughs> that was just so funny. Oh my god, man, that's Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> Anything else you want to get into from the first four episodes we've watched this far? Thus far, um, I would like to say that Dear Billy is one of my, not you know, it's on the top of my list of favorite episodes of any TV show I've seen. Though, yeah, this that was probably like 
the highlight of the season thus far. I'm glad you pushed me to include it in this batch and not start off an next one with it because like it was a really fun, tight hour. Fifteen, we got a, especially Max was the star of that hour. Yeah, I think that we needed to see more from her. You know, like I, I don't know. I just like the way that it was written, even with the other storylines within it. I think it like it flowed very well. But um, just that whole storyline with Max, I think, is one of my favorite storylines of all television. Yeah, I, I do like that one. I also say I think Murray being the kind of relief of the adult storyline is a much needed thing because like, <laughs> especially because like he because Joyce is a kind, kind of like a Debbie Downer because she's like obsessed trying to find Hopper back and like having yeah. Murray there helps. Yes, though, um, going back to episode one, when she's breaking open the doll. And he's like, okay, slowly. And she just goes, boom. And then it's just like, it's just like, she's, I don't know. I feel like Joyce is like a Debbie Downer, but I think she has her moments where I just, I like, I, I don't mind Joyce. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's somebody who's like secretly like badass and secret, you know, and then she's not secretly badass. She is badass. She like basically saved her son, but, or she did save her son, but um, <laughs> like that whole thing was hilarious. Like she's pretty funny too. She is definitely very funny. So who of the new characters? Like we got Argyle. We got the basketball guys. We got Eddie from the D&D club. We got the two characters who have been killed off so far. We got some of the Russian guys. Like who's your favorite new character? New character um, <laughs> is I, I'd like to say Argyle, but I think is Eddie. Yeah. I, I really like Eddie and like that the sit down he had with Chrissy um, talking about how like he's like I don't know if you remember me like you know like he's not this like crazy dramatic guy that you see in school he's actually like a very like a hurt person deep down and he's a sweet kid you know yeah Eddie's a, but definitely stand I think and I think he's funny too so <laughs> I like I like Eddie Argyle is, is my personal favorite because I just laugh whenever he's on the screen because like he just really just has that vibe where he's like I don't give an f what's going on this is so fun like this is whatever especially like when he's when they order the pizza to get him to be their getaway driver, and then he w comes into a, basically a shootout where <laughs> they're coming in, to, they all run to his car with like the, <laughs> with, the with the injured government agent, and he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, is that blood? He's like, drive. He's like, oh yeah. And he just starts like he floors it. Yeah, the guy is that a is that a real gun or whatever he says? Yeah. Like it's just that was hilarious. Yeah. I think I laughed for a solid. That actor is hilarious. Yeah, it feels like he stumbled out of Wayne's World into this into this show. Yeah, right? He yeah. he feels like he came straight out of the 80s. Yep. It's insane. It absolutely is. Now, we're going to steal a bit from the Sky Guys here, just for some fun here. So who is your MVP of these first four episodes from Stranger Things? MVP, first four episodes, I got to say Max, uh, just for that whole Dear Billy thing and the just the arc that she's had in the first four episodes. I mean, like, I know that there has to be more for her for the rest of the season. Um but I have to add one more. I is definitely Lucas. Yeah. Um, he's been like a very quiet character the past couple of seasons. And I feel like he's really coming out of his shell. I, I think what, what they're doing with those two characters, because I know that they're really paired together is absolutely amazing. Yeah. I'm going to give Robin my MVP. I feel like Robin is like steals the, the show. Whatever's on the, she's on the screen. Her dynamic and dance is probably the best, the most fun I had in the season thus far. My God, Robin's just amazing. She's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I don't want to mention the Murray Bowman because Murray is also saving the Hopper storyline. Yeah, I mean, I honestly feel like if he wasn't on the screen for like a lot of those, like for that storyline, 
I would want to like literally fast through the entire thing. All right. Other way now, who is the LEP of this first batch of four episodes? That stupid, uh, what's his face? The basketball player. Oh, the ca- the captain of the basketball the team? The captain. He's so annoying. He's like, I have to avenge my girlfriend. It's just like, dude, you don't know anything. And you're just a giant 80s bully. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Mike. Yeah, the, the douche. <laughs> he's such a douche to his best friend. And like, it, it's, it make, I mean, like Will called on it too. He's like, you write to Ella Rick, You never write to me. He's like, he's like, but she's my girlfriend. And then and he's and he not even realized, and then he's like basically saying like the kid was his best friend for years. Like he basically throwing him under the bus for like a solid like two years. Yeah, exactly. Stupid Mike. He's so annoying too. Yeah, I mean Finn Wolfhard plays it well. Like the character like takes a very bad heel turn after like season two. Yeah. Absolutely. And last thing here, any big predictions for the last three episodes? Uh, well, my prediction is they beat Venka or whatever. Maybe um, that's my that's my hope. Maybe that will be for episodes eight and nine. Yeah. But um, prediction wise, I have no idea. I really, I mean, I'm thinking my prediction is they're gonna get out, get Hopper out. Like it's very basic predictions because I really feel like they're gonna be throwing wrenches at us. Yeah, I feel like the easy call is that Hopper is back in the USA by the end of the first volume. Mm-hmm. I feel like if he's still in rush after seven episodes, I feel like something's gone wrong. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm just like, I really like, that's the thing with this show. I feel like you can like guess. And then all of a sudden, like, they're like, Oh wait, but we're going to tie this in or we're going to bring this person in. It's just going to like throw everything off. You know, I think I say also, I think we get a big death to end episode seven. It sort of sets up for the cliffhanger for the final two episodes. I hope I see. No offense. I hope you're wrong. I don't want anybody to die. So we get, that's the Bob, that's the Bob newbie spot from episode from season two, like right around there. No, Bob, that was so sad. <laughs> Still upset, Sean Austin. Yeah, one of the few characters who actually die on this show is is him. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I would be really. I know that he's dead, but I would want Billy to come back low key because I feel so bad. <laughs> I know it's not gonna happen. But like, you know what I mean. Well, we did get a very creepy Dacre Montgomery performance as Vec- like Vecna basically possessing him in like ep- episode four. Yeah, like I said, that guy is psychotic. Is insane. He's like a really dark villain. It's like insane. It absolutely is. And Sam, I'm glad you're coming back next week to help break down the rest of this because it was just simply too many hours on a holiday weekend. I also had to do Sky Guys with Kenobi to get the entire first batch done. So appreciate you taking the time to. And halting your binge to help me get this first half done. Listen, anything for you, Mike. I'm here for it. <laughs> Absolutely. If people want to follow you on Twitter, how can I do that? Twitter, it's S-D-E-R-O-S-6 at, tw- at, sorry, I'm like so used to like my other things. But that's on me on Twitter. You can just Google Sam DeRosa. I will pop up on multiple things. If not, you'll find my dad and he's equally as interesting as me. Yeah, and if you're looking for a job at Iona Athletics, you can contact him. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so sorry to laugh at that. Yeah. If you're looking to be an athletic trainer, tweet at my dad or tweet at Rick Patino. That was, that was something, Mike. That was a fun tweet. I gotta say, I did enjoy that. I literally was at work reading on Twitter. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. And then I like, I called my dad. I was like, I didn't realize you were so desperate that you're sending out like help wanted ads on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see if anybody takes that ad up in the week between these podcasts. Sam, thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
right, we are back here on our summer pop, pop culture kickoff special here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, talking summer movies with our favorite resident movie critic, Barstool Sports Zone, John Stanko is here. John, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Mike Phillips. You caught me on a day off from work, so I'm in a great mood, and uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. And since you are the movie guy, I do want to get your takes a couple of things that happened the last time we talked before we did our Oscars preview. So, number one, Oscars chaos. I'm sure you got a take. Uh, the Oscars chaos. Can the Os- I mean, the Academy has to be ecstatic, right? Sure, they lost Will Smith for 10 years, but this is the most anyone's talked about the Oscars in two decades. It's yeah. crazy. Um, I mean, obviously... It's it was monumental thing to watch. You didn't believe it when it happened on the screen. I don't believe for a second that it was staged. People who thought that I think are kind of cynical. But um, I mean, listen, my biggest thing was Twitter is usually a cesspool where everyone's complaining. This was a moment in culture and in social media where Twitter was perfect. And there's only very finite moments where that's possible, where you know something special when all of Twitter is a buzz and it's the only thing people can talk about. And that's exactly what the moment was with Will Smith and Chris Rock. So it was absolutely bonkers. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been keeping track of stuff throughout the year because I've been doing a running list of stuff for Pop Culture Party Four at the end of the year with us with us and Sam DeRose. It was going to be on the episode that, later talking Stranger Things. Like that made the list. I'm like, okay, this Oscar's going on for the first time ever. That might be number one. Yeah. Like, what other pop culture thing this year has happened that has topped that moment? You have arguably the biggest movie star in the world that's universally beloved winning his first Academy Award, and he does something so asinine that his reputation may forever be damaged a mere hour before he's going to be getting a standing ovation. Crazy. Yeah. Literal insanity. Like, I literally, and I'm sure they probably got insane ratings for that last hour, and while everyone's waiting to see if he won and gave the speech. Yeah, it was, there was a literal spike in the jump. If you look at the graphs, like the, the ratings go up. And imagine if they have to have Chris Rock host next year. Yes. They have to. If they don't, it's a failure. Give him a blank check. Be like, Chris, here you go. Host it. It'll automatically, I would say, at least raise the viewership by 33% from this year just by having Chris Rock host. Yeah, I agree with that. And I felt bad for like some of the other people there and some of the other movie nominees. I mean, like, Everybody think forgets the shock that Coda won Best Picture, but like no one will ever forget the Will Smith incident. No, no one will ever. I really, I really feel bad for Questlove. I mean, he won for Best Documentary, and nobody gave a flying crap yeah. what he had to say after the whole entire moment. Chris Rock powered through the nominations, obviously flustered, and I, I feel most bad for Questlove um, because an absolute. I mean, he got he got robbed. He got robbed of the spotlight that he deserved. Yeah, absolutely. And number two, the other big thing is I know that like. You've seen the Batman, which has been probably like the biggest movie of the year thus far in terms of buzz. So what do you think? What was your takeaway from the movie? I thoroughly enjoyed the Batman, Mike Phillips. Um, I think this was a comic book movie that was not a carbon copy of things that were made for the past decade. You know, I'm a little bit cynical on Marvel, um, but this movie was made to be a cinematic experience, not a comic book experience. The way it was shot, the way it was uh, acted, the dark griminess of Gotham. This was a pure Batman movie taken directly from the comic books. It was not glossy like the Christopher Nolan movies. Uh, It was not shiny. This was grimy and gritty. Um, And I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it too when I watched it here because for one thing, we – never, ever, ever in a movie see Batman actually be a detective like he is in the comics. It's fun to see that take for three hours. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And I just, again, it was a more realistic, grounded approach to a superhero. I like that we got almost no time with Bruce Wayne. We focused strictly on the Batman. 
it's the most Batman quote unquote movie of any Batman movie that's been put out because you spend almost all the time with the Cape Crusader with the mask. Yeah, absolutely. I did love that. The acting was great throughout. I'm excited to see what directions they go with the sequel here. So you know it's coming. I think they announced it already. And I hope yeah, they I think don't they're try playing three. Yeah, hope they don't go. I hope they learn from this and continue like sort of this model and don't go for the flashy, bangy, like I, I flip kicky. I mean, they had enough fun stuff there, like the chase with the Batmobile was fantastic. But like, the, yeah, I mean, I talked to somebody a couple weeks ago and they said the they said they didn't like the movie and they said the chase was the worst part of the movie. And I almost strangled the person on the couch because yeah. that's just an absurd take. I was the, for me, the best part of the movie was the introduction of the Batmobile. Yeah. That was Matt Reeves and cinematographer Greg Frazier just having fun because they made the Batmobile feel like a pit bull that's been caged in a dog pen and wanted to just be unleashed and chase after a bone. That's what it felt like watching the Batmobile be unveiled. And it was so, so, so good. And so I really hope you're right. They continue with this practical approach, the detective approach for the upcoming two sequels. Yeah, I'm excited to see where they go with this. And let's get now to some of the General thoughts on this summer movie slate here, because I was looking up the list before I sent the rundown over to you about movies. I know I was like, to me, this feels kind of underwhelming. I don't think there's a lot here. Do you feel the same way? I would agree. There is, I would say, a lot of high profile, but then there's not a lot of in the middle. It's very, very top tier, but then there's a lot of things that people aren't going to care about at all. And in the middle is where it's lacking. There's nothing that's kind of just going to generate my excitement on a on a minuscule level. Uh, you got the the massive IP, but then you got some original ideas. But in the middle, there's not a lot of uh, wiggle room. Yeah, because like I was looking at the list, I'm struggling. Like, is this all I really have? I have like maybe eight movies total I want to talk about in this, this category. And like, there were there were some that you put on the list, Mike. I'm gonna be honest, I don't give a flying shit about. There was one I literally wrote down for a comment. I don't care. I'll let you guess which one that is. Yeah, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it involved the minions. You would be absolutely correct. I do not <laughs> give a flying crap about the minions movie. It'll make a ton of money. I'm happy for the families that will go and see it, but I stopped after Despicable Me 2. I'm done. I'm happy. Go let those yellow things be happy. I just, I don't care. Yeah, it's funny because I actually went to the movies recently. I saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I see a bunch of these trailers, so I have some takes on some of these movies too, so I'm right there with you, ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but that's that's another thing though with this summer. I have written down Marvel's coming back. You had, you had Spider-Man, which was a big success. You had the Multiverse of Madness, which I think moderate success i don't think everyone loves the movie but it's making a ton of money and then you have thor love and thunder which the new trailer dropped yesterday our day of recording and dropped during the nba playoffs during halftime um and that's going to be a ton of buzz when that one comes out soon so marvel is also a big thing that's coming back this summer yeah marvel i mean i saw doctor strange i was kind of eh on the movie because like it's that's what i heard i'm like it was fine like there are things they do with Wanda's character you're not a big fan of. For me, the whole phase, though, I can see where you're coming from. It's sort of like they, there's, they, they have a plan they haven't told us yet because it's like a mix of, like, origin stories, flashbacks, continuations, trying to jam stuff together. Like, nothing really, like, seems to flow smoothly. I know the pandemic had some issues with their scheduling, but still a mess. Yeah, so this is the question I have for you because you're a bigger Marvel guy than I am. Um, you have followed along. You stayed up to date with everything. Does Marvel have a quality problem? Because what I have heard and just listening to podcasts and people talking is that people are enjoying the entertainment value of the movies, but they're starting to realize the movies aren't that aren't great anymore. They're not excellent films. They're just vessels for entertainment and popcorn. Like, do you feel the same way? Do you feel like they're going down that path? Do they need something to lift them up back up to like high quality film as well as high entertaining? 
Well, I think for me, of the five, of like the six movies that have come out so far, I'd say that one was very good and was Spider-Man No Way Home. I would say Shang-Chi is probably the second rated movie of the ones I've seen thus far. Wow, you put that above Multiverse of Madness? Yeah. I didn't think Shang-Chi was that that great. I like Shang-Chi a lot better than Multiverse of Madness. Wow. Okay. Well, that doesn't bode well for when I eventually see multiverse. Oh, that was um, that was num- that was number three from for me as multiverse. Okay. I just I'm very curious to see where Marvel goes because I think I I'm starting. There are people I know who are big Marvel fans who are now stopping because there's too much. The fracturing of there's too much to keep up with between Moon Knight, the new TV shows coming out, all the movies too, and it, it's happening. It I, I feel a fracture within the Marvel universe force, and I don't know if it's going to be able to be stitched back together. I'm curious as what the Feige will do. Yeah, well, I think they have the right movie coming out next. I think Thor: Love and Thunder is going to be huge. Right. I mean, this is this is the one where if I had stayed up to date on everything, I'd be rushing on theaters to see it because I loved Thor: Ragnarok. It's my favorite Marvel movie from that first phase. And why T- uh, Tycho's back? You got um, Natalie Portman's uh, back. Yeah, I got Natalie. I mean, to be fair, I don't. I didn't want her back. Why was she back? I didn't care. Thor: Dark World terrible. Didn't care for her in the first Thor either. Why is she back? That's a question. An honest question. She hasn't been in a Marvel movie in almost, I mean, oh, it has to be like eight years. Yeah, well, assuming you don't count the reused footage from Endgame, yeah. Correct. So why? Yeah. Do people honestly want her back or is it the fact that they're just bringing her character back that's making people excited? Like, I, I'm curious. Was this a an audience calling for her or is this them trying to bring the audience back? I think it's probably the latter. I think, I think they have a direction for the character here. And I feel like, I feel bad for Natalie Portman, too. I feel like she's had a lot of these big franchise movies where she gets, like, the short of the stick in terms of the script. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, listen, the the Star Wars prequels. Listen, she episode, episode three, they assassinate her character so badly. Correct. Absolutely. So I, I'm i curious. But again, I think the vibe for Thor Love and Thunder is going to be very, very good. I think it's going to get a ton of buzz. And I think it's going to be the best reviewed movie of this new Marvel phase thus far, just because I have faith in White, uh, Taiki uh, and what he does. I'd say best of this year, at least. Because Spider-Man got insanely great reviews, so. All right, fair enough, fair enough. We will see. And I will say the other moral problem here is I think is like, I don't think the TV shows are landing as well because I don't think they actually know how to write television. Like These things all sort of feel like they're just movies that are chopped up into episodes and don't really have a TV flow. Yeah, I, I mean, people who watch Moon Knight, they were like intrigued by the premise at the start, but then at the end, they kind of made it feel like homework. Yes. And that's, that's the vibe I got with people talking at work. They're like, the first couple episodes, cool, this is something different. And then by the end, you're like, it's not keeping my attention, but I started, so I might as well finish. That's the vibe I got talking with people at work. Yeah, for sure. Let's get down to some of these movies here. Obviously, the one coming out closest to release here, Top Gun Maverick, the long-awaited sequel to the original Top Gun from the 80s here. It's supposed to come out, I think, 2020 before COVID scuttled yeah. everything, and now it's finally coming out here. I've seen all the press buzz. The trailer looks great. How how are you feeling about this movie? At, listen, I love the first Top Gun. Me and Emma will just dance to Danger Zone in the kitchen. It's one thing that we do. I'm so excited for this movie, and I'm stoked the reviews are also astronomically positive. I have not seen a negative review on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes when I've gone and peaked. Every podcast I listen to has great buzz about this movie. Tom Cruise has poured his heart and soul into this, and it seems to be worth it, which is absolutely crazy that a movie that's made three decades after the original still has the fanfare after this. This is such dad energy of the people in their mid-40s and 50s going to see this movie are going to be absolutely stoked out of their minds, and it's going to make a ton of money, an absolute ton. It's going to be two back-to-back major summers for Cruise, too, because he has Top Gun Maverick, and then he has Mission Impossible uh, next summer. So... Tom Cruise is taking over summer 2022 and 2023. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, this could have also been, I mean, this was supposed to be the summer of Keanu. I think both of these movies got pushed back, so. That's true. That's true. I mean, John Wick Chapter 4, you'll see me in the opening weekend midnight premiere for that one if I can. Yeah. But i very, very excited for Top Gun Maverick. The cast seems stellar. I've heard John Hamm is remarkable uh, with this character in this movie, so I'm very, very excited for it. Um, I think this is, in terms of the, like, uh, the sequels coming out this summer, I think this one has the best chance of being the most well-reviewed of the sequels coming out. Yeah, I think for sure. And it's, it, I think it's just sort of our summer kickoff movie here. I feel like they get the summer off to a flying start. That's a great pun right there. Nice job. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yep. that's you, You're you in the game for a number of years. You know how to make these puns. Yep, yep. All right. Next up here, the very uh, troubled production of Jurassic World Dominion finally is coming out. And I mean, I don't know. if you Did you see the Netflix movie that was horrendous? It was basically a pun of like what happened with production for them. No, I didn't know. What is this? I haven't heard this. It's a there's a very crappy movie on Netflix called The Bubble. It basically spoofs all of the horrors. Oh, I had no desire to watch it. It looked terrible from the trailer. It yeah. looked awful. Yeah, you had Pedro Pascal on it, right? Uh, yep. Keegan yeah, Michael I heard a bunch of. I had no desire to watch that. Yeah, it was ter- it was terrible. Basically, it's a spoof of all the issues they had on production, like when they had their bubble. Now it's finally coming out, and. I don't know. I've seen footage of it. I don't. I can't tell the actual buzz behind it. People are intrigued by this or not. I I have conflicting feelings. It can't be worse than Fallen Kingdom, right? Yeah. It can't be. Fallen Kingdom, terrible. It has Laura Dern and Sam Neill back. That's good. Yeah. Then with Jeff Goldblum brings back some goodwill in my mind. Right. This is the original trio. This is what we all love. But it seems to be from the trailers that the main catalyst for the heroes getting back into the world is to go rescue the baby of blue, the Velociraptor. Yeah, That's like the main instigating point to get them out of the woods and to go be among the dinosaurs again. Why? I, 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 this is, this may be a me thing. I don't care about blue. I don't care about his baby. Just like, I don't, how I don't really care about the droids in star Wars very much. I care about humans. Like, so if their main cow is to get out there into the world again and to get amongst the danger is to rescue a baby Velociraptor, I'm sorry, I'm not buying that. What is the big bad in this movie? What are they trying to stop? What are they trying to, like, accomplish? That's what I'm most confused by because I don't understand what's the point of this movie in the long run besides saving this baby dinosaur. Maybe you know and I don't, but I haven't picked up anything from the trailers with that. I have not, and correct me if you think this is a bad out here. I feel like what's gone on with this franchise of the last couple of movies has very much has Star Wars sequel tra- sequel energy written, written all over it in terms of like the first one came out was loved. Everybody was excited about it. The second one kind of stunk. The third one's had a lot of issues of production. And now the storyline sounds like it's going to be terrible. Well, here's the thing, though, is that the, the Last Jedi at least took chances to be different. The Fallen Kingdom tried to be the same thing and still failed. Yeah. So that's where this is, I think, different. But I do agree with you. It's a great analogy that this third part of this uh, of this sequel trilogy, both of them are bringing back old cast members to try and reclaim some goodwill to get people back to go and watch it. Now, hopefully, uh, Dominion can do it better than The Rise of Skywalker. But again, I am skeptical. I like the Jurassic Park franchise as a whole, even though I hate Fallen Kingdom. I'll stand by Jurassic World. I didn't think it was terrible. I had a great time in the theaters when I saw it. But Dominion, I... I'm going to be skeptical about this one until I see some positive things, but I, I'm not overly optimistic. Yeah, I mean, you see, you feel the way about Jurassic World, the way I feel about Force Awakens, where I know people retroactively go back and bash it and say, oh, you know, like, it was a bad movie. It set up everything that was going wrong. I'm like, you guys are lying to yourselves because when you were in that theater, you loved it. You had so much fun right. with it. And now it's like you're just retroactively saying, oh, eight and nine were bad, so I'm going to hate seven, too. Right. That's one of the things. Just admit you had a good time. It's okay to admit you had a good time with the movie, which you can – 
admit like isn't the most original thing. That's like Avatar. When Avatar came out, guess what? I was thoroughly entertained by it when I saw it. Sure, it's Pocahontas with blue people, but guess what? You still had a great time when you saw it. So I, I agree with you. Dominion has a ton of star power with it. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I will see. Yeah, and it's other connected theories. In both movies, I feel like Jurassic World and this one and Force Awakens both set up like some great like plot points that weren't necessarily followed through. Yeah, but again, it's at what point do you care about the story? At what point do you care about rescuing a franchise from oblivion? Because right now, Star Wars movies are dead in the water, and they Disney couldn't save that. We're not going to see another Star Wars movie for five years. What's going to happen to Jurassic Park after Dominion? Nobody knows. We'll see if this movie can at least resurrect and give it a life jacket so it could float a little bit wire longer while Star Wars is drowning. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to the next one here, and this is one that I got very down on after seeing the trailer in theaters, like. I'm I'm out on Lightyear. I don't I think it's gonna be a terrible movie. I don't think it's gonna pull me at all. But this is them trying to make Toy Story without making Toy Story five. So I just don't think it's gonna work. I don't I don't I'm not one who hates the Chris Pratt uh, Chris Evans being the new voice of Buzz Lightyear, but we don't need this. I, I, I agree with you, we don't need it. Can we admit though, Chris Evans being cast as young Buzz Lightyear is like almost too perfect? It's like it you look at Chris Evans, you look at Buzz Lightyear and it just makes sense. It does. So that makes sense. I agree with you. I'm not going to be rushing out to see this movie, but can we both agree this movie is going to make an absolute crap ton of money because it blends the it blends the old Toy Story fans, the parents now who fell in love with the franchise, and it is going to blend the kids who see a new animated action movie with a new hero, and they're going to be like, "Ooh, what's that, mommy and daddy?" And they're both going to go to the movie theaters and see it and have a great time. So this is blending two different generations. So Disney is going to make a crap ton, whether or not this movie is critically well received or not. Yeah, I feel like it's going to make a timeline to be very middling. That's the sense I got from the trailer. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. But uh, this is the question I have overall for you, Mike, in yeah. terms of Disney. This is a, a way they're going is we saw them remake a live action of animated movies, right, with The Lion King, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, all this. Well, we've seen now a rise of telling individual stories with characters from the original tales, like Cruella. It started with Maleficent as well with Angelina Jolie, and now we have Lightyear. Is this the new trend that Disney's going to do? Just bringing back characters from movies that we love and telling original stories, but with a with IP that's already out there. I feel like this is a new way Disney's going to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I haven't heard about a live action like adaptation from all the classic films coming in a while. So I feel like they're starting to shift this direction. Well, like, so then what character is next? What character do you think is going to get the next uh, origin tale? Uh, that's going to give them some different perspective for the audience. You're going to get some sort of Lion King like material because that movie made a billion dollars. That's true. I would let this and this is my thing. If we're going to go the Corello out and highlight a villain and give them like a backstory, if you will, as to how they became evil. Give me Jafar from Aladdin. Yeah. Jafar is crazy. Jafar is evil. Yeah. I want to know how the hell he got that evil. That's one that I'm interested in if they want to take that direction. Yeah, I think Aladdin also is underrated. I feel like of the three that came out the year, I feel like that's the, that was the best one. People don't that, agree with me on that. Yeah, people were just really miffed about the Will Smith genie thing. And I think yeah. they took that too far. I remember that movie being very, very colorful. I remember Jasmine being really good, uh, but I remember the actor who played Aladdin, I did not enjoy at all. Yeah, he was kind of meh. I don't remember his name, and I should, but I I remember I him that, being very disappointed. I think it was Man of Masood, I believe. Okay, well, again, he he would need to step up his game, but I thought Jafar was good in that movie as well. So tell an origin story of Jafar if they're going to continue with this uh, character's origin story thing. Yeah, I think for me, this is one where I'm looking at it saying, okay, like, Disney Plus it is whenever it comes out there. I'm not going to go spend my money oh, here. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Next up here, our musical movie of the summer here, the Elvis biopic. I 
I have a confession. Yeah. I hate that I'm buying into this a little bit. I hate it. The trailers that Baz Luhrmann's putting out for this movie are intoxicating. He, he has a style that he knows how to manipulate incredibly well. And I hate that I'm getting kind of sort of excited for this. Maybe I'm excited because it might be a beautiful disaster, but I'm kind of sort of excited for Elvis. Yeah. I mean, he, there are a lot of those like flashy vibes that you have like, in Gatsby that are coming through this movie. Right. But Elvis is a character in real life who fit that glamour, that glitter, that snazziness that Baz Luhrmann loves. Elvis lived that in real life. So it's actually a perfect match for a character and a director. And so I think it's all going to come down to Austin Butler and whether or not he could actually nail the role of Elvis. It's going to come down to him. And from the trailers, he seems to have the voice down. He seems to have the mannerisms down. It's just whether or not the story around it and if he can tell the parts off the stage as well as he seems to be able to tell them on the stage. Yeah. This one I'm intrigued by. I'm not sure I'm going to see it in theaters yet, but it is like a consideration. Also, let's just put this right now. Dark Horse, Tom Hanks, Academy Award nominee performance for this. His piece has a body transformation. He gets fat. He's 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 got like a cane. He's acting older. He's also the side piece character. Like this has a, a praise for Tom Hanks as, as the background character written all over it. I'm just saying it right now. You're calling the shot. Best supporting actor nominee for Tom Hanks. I'm movie. just calling the shot that it's gonna, he's going to be in the discussion. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Minions, The Rise of Gru, we kind of went over earlier here. Like it's another one that's going to make a shit, a S ton of money and no one's, and it's going to be very, very mediocre to bad. Yes, I, I would agree. Don't care about this movie at all. Happy for if you like it but I will not be spending my money to see it. Yeah, I know I know people who are going to be going to see this thing. I will not be one of them. No, if you have a family, it's probably great. I'm happy for you. Wonderful. Good time. Yeah. But that's not for me. All right. Next on here, the big Marvel we talked about before, Thor Love and Thunder here. We have two trailers in now. This just, this grabbed me right away. And I, I know I haven't predisposed to Marvel, but like the, the Aerosmith soundtrack to the first trailer was great. The sort of vibe it's giving off is a lot of fun here. And I do think, Interesting to see, like, this is our first, like, real, like, main original six Avenger who's getting a follow-up after. I mean, Hawkeye's show kind of counts, but I don't really put it in here. In terms of big movie atmosphere, this is it. Yeah, this is the movie that I think is going to dictate Marvel's future. If this is a success, then they'll continue on the path to run. If this one does not get the critical praise that it wants, then I think Feige and Marvel are going to have to rethink what they're going to do in the upcoming years. Because... There's a lot behind this movie. It has Natalie Portman coming back, like we mentioned. You have now Christian Bale playing the bad guy. And he's an Oscar-winning actress playing the bad guy in a major multi-million dollar, possible billion-dollar movie. You got a lot riding on this. And the new trailer dropped during the NBA playoffs, and it looked pretty good. A lot of different color palettes. I mean, they're just doing splatter paint with the black and white sometimes and then the colorful rainbows. Tons of chances being taken with this movie. But I... I think this movie has a chance to solve a problem that a lot of Marvel movies have recently post Thanos is the bad guy problem. Yes. Christian Bale is good enough where he can make even a mediocre bad guy character into something great with his ability on screen. I, that's what I'm hoping for Marvel fans is that that can bring that back because post Thanos, they haven't done bad guys very well. Um, and so they need something to bring it back and gore the God. I don't know much about him from the comics. In fact, I know nothing, but Christian Bale's playing him, so I think he's got a shot to elevate it. Yeah, I think it's the second Marvel movie of the year. I think the third one coming out here later, I think in November, is the 
Black Panther sequel without Chadwick Boseman. So this is going to be a challenge for them regardless. Like I know it's going to make some money, but I think this is, you're right, I think it's the one that's really going to make or break them for the next couple of years. Yeah, this is another hot take by me. Don't care about that Black Marvel movie, Black Panther movie at all. Didn't yeah. enjoy the first one that much. And without Chadwick Boseman, sorry. Second one, it doesn't have nearly the legs to carry my attention. Yeah, absolutely. And the last one I saw in the, tra- I saw the trailer for this finally in the movie for Doctor Strange. And this looks fun. I think it's going to be one of those where you're just like, just throwing the popcorn back and laughing at like some of the absurdity you're seeing it. Here's bullet train injected into my veins. Yeah. Mike Phillips injected into my veins. Oh, this movie looks like a blast. This yeah. looks like John wick, but more colorful and more comedic. You got Brad Pitt. who was just on a roll in terms of fun movies. He was in the lost city with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock playing a fun part. And now he's in bullet train. Uh, this movie just looks fun as hell. I love a confined environment. I love assassins. I love violence. Uh, this movie has everything that I could possibly ask for. So I will be going to see this and I'm incredibly excited. Yeah, this one got me. I was my hype level went up for this when I saw the trailer. I'm like, this looks like just so much fun. And like, that's you need summer weeks a lot of times. Just like, just go have fun. Yeah, this is a movie where you're going to have fun and you don't need to think about connective strings coming to something. You don't need to think about how this affects different movies in a different universe. This is going to be a two hour action packed, toss your popcorn up when you get excited type of movie. And I'm very, very excited for it. Also, very excited for Zazie Beats, who I loved in the in the Harder They Fall. I'm very excited for her to be back in the movie. I think I'm going to be hopping on her train and just riding her coattails for a career. Um, her and Samara Weaving are my two are my two big horses right now. So, uh, very excited for this movie. Very very excited. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun this movie too. I think in terms of like what else on the slate got your attention? I think there wasn't much. Anything else that we did not cover yet that you're intrigued by this summer? I got three movies. One of them I'll bring to you first because I think you might have some interest in this one because it involves the Russo brothers, The Gray Man. Uh, Action movie on Netflix, humongous budget. Um, This is basically, we had Red Notice, right? An objective failure as a movie. Terrible. Big budget action movie with major stars. This, I think, is going to be a more upscale version of that, I hope. Uh, We have Ana de Armas, Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, very beautiful people going to be doing crazy action things and being charismatic on in front of the camera, probably being hokey and cheesy. But I do have faith that the Russo brothers can put something forward. That's going to be like extraction. If you remember with Chris Hemsworth, I think it was 2019 where you watch that action movie and you were just enthralled by it. I hope it's something like that. Um, and from what I've read, they're going to try and make this a franchise. Uh, like they're trying to make Red Notice a franchise. So I'm just hoping this one's a leg up. So that's the first one I'm very excited about. I don't know if you've heard anything about The Great Man. I have heard a little bit. And it does. I did like put it on my like maybe list so far. Yeah. And then the other two I got are horror movies. I'll go through them quick. Nope. Jordan Peele's new horror movie. Anything that he signs on for, uh, I'm going to watch it. I even watched uh, the new Candyman, which he executive produced. And I liked it a lot. I really, really liked it. So Jordan Peele uh, has universal approval rating for me right now. So I'm going to go check out Nope. And then The Black Phone, a new horror movie with Ethan Hawke. This movie just looks bonkers. Uh, The commercials being played every single commercial break during the NBA playoffs. And my girlfriend hates it, but I love it. So I'm very excited for what this movie is going to bring. So I got two horror movies and then an action movie in The Great Man. Yeah, I know you're big on the horror stuff. I remember remember last summer we got the, uh, what was the trilogy on uh, Netflix? The uh, Fear Street. Yeah, I love Fear Street. Yeah, so like. Getting a good horror fix in the summer is underrated. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Give, give me a summer horror flick. Give me something 4th of July weekend again to get me excited. Yeah, and that was basically when the first one came out last year. I think it was right on 4th of July weekend. Right, I was sitting here long weekend going, what am I going to watch? And then bada bing, bada boom, found three great movies. Yeah, it was fan- definitely fantastic here. And 
Definitely a lot of fun. I will say, it was also interesting. I know we mentioned this earlier, but we finally see, saw a trailer for Avatar 2 13 years later. So We did. We did. Um, it's interesting. There was a ton of blue. Yeah. I mean, that was my biggest takeaway. Everything is a shade of blue between uh, the Navi and the ocean. Uh, it looks beautiful. We'll see what the story brings. Uh, we'll see what the acting brings. But I, we finally saw footage, so it does exist. It does exist. It's not a figure in our imagination. No, it does. And we'll see how many we get. I mean, I think Cameron wanted to do five. But yeah. my biggest thing with the Avatar is that this is the first time James Cameron is directing and writing a direct sequel to a movie he made. The, sec- this is the second time. The first time he did it was Terminator 2. Yeah. Terminator 2 was incredible. So if he's that passionate about the Avatar franchise as he was Terminator 2, I don't want to get my hopes up, but I, I'm intrigued. Yeah, from, from what I've read somewhere, I believe, I think the issue with all the delays, there's a lot of, like, underwater footage that to be shot for this movie. Apparently, there's a lot of about the actors having to train to, like, breathe underwater for long periods of time and the technology to catch up. So I feel like there's been a lot, a big water element to this movie. I mean, that's the thing. The, the, yeah, the technology I've heard is the biggest delay is that yeah. basically he was like, listen, you guys got to catch up to what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, and he seems to have finally have gotten there. So um, we'll see what happens. But that comes out December around Christmas time. And we'll see if it goes up against its predecessor or Endgame in terms of getting the top box office of all time. But we'll see. Yeah, well, I'm sure there'll probably be a re-release of the original Avatar in theaters again soon to remind people like what, what was going on there. Uh, you know what? That'd be a good call because I would need to watch a YouTube video to recap myself. Uh, all, I, all I remember is the vague ending. Uh, and then stuff like that. Yeah, I think the end of this year, I feel like it's more packed in the summer for some reason, which is surprising to me. Yeah, there's a lot more blockbusters in, in November, December. But um, I, I think this, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, we'll see. I still think that summer movies, there's going to be movies that generate buzz that people don't, aren't necessarily expecting that will rise up. And But I think it's going to be a heavy Marvel summer. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no DC movie this summer. So there's no competition in terms of the comic world. Yeah, there's not. I think the next DC movie on the calendar is Shazam, the sequel Shazam sequel at the end of the year. They move back Aquaman and the Flash. Yeah. So again, Marvel's got free reign. If they're able to get the eyeballs and generate the quality that people are expecting now, then they'll be able to dominate the summer. Yeah, I'm looking at the end of the year. I mean, I I I, I forgot apparently. Do you know that the uh Creed three is coming out this year? I did know that Creed three is coming out this year. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um yeah, we'll see how that goes. I love Creed one and two, but I have not heard much about Creed three. But I did know it was coming out later this year. Yeah, and I'm just I'm most excited for the soundtrack for that movie. The soundtracks for the first two are what I remember most. Yeah, and looking here, I mean, Avatar is December sixteenth, and then the I think the Friday, Friday for Christmas is that the Shazam movie, and I think there's a Puss in Boots sequel coming apparently. Antonio Banderas still getting that paycheck, I guess. Yeah, he's getting paychecks. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so I forgot there was a. There's a, D- a WB movie. There's a DC movie in October as well. Black Adam is October. Oh, you know what? That's gonna. That's the Rock. Yep. You got the Rock and Black Adam in a movie that's been talked about for five years. It seems finally coming out. I guess. I mean, we'll see. That's the fall, so it's not the summer. That's the fall. But I guess DC does have something up their sleeve with that. Yeah, they do. And what else have you been checking out lately? What has caught your interest? Um, so recent movies are stuff that I watched. That I liked, um, I've been on kind of a horror movie kick. I watched the new Candyman. I really enjoyed. I watched uh, the taking of Deborah Morgan, which is a movie that came back out in 2014. But for some reason it was under voodoo's most viewed rentals and it was getting a lot of praise recently. So I watched it. It was very good. 
Um, I watched Hail Caesar recently, which was a Coen Brothers movie. Hadn't seen it yet. It was very good. And this is a movie that not a lot of people liked, but I watched all the old knives on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, new one that came out this year, uh, political thriller. I really enjoyed it. Reviews weren't that positive, but I had a great time. Um, so those were the four I liked recently. But I- I'm listening. I'm here, Mike. I'm going to give you some movies that absolutely stunk too. Yeah. I really see. Recently watched Unbroken, uh, the Angelina Jolie directed movie. Uh, I believe that came out in 2014. Just a pile of trash. Um, it was on the National Board of Review's top 10 movies for that year. Don't understand how. It was god awful. Uh, I watched Fast Nine. I don't know if you saw Fast Nine. I did not. Um, utter, utter garbage. Like bottom of the barrel, put oil on it and put gasoline on it, light it on fire, roll it down a hill and let it burn up the entire. It was terrible. It was awful. Uh, terrible. Uh, and then I recently watched Firestarter, which came out on Peacock, starring Zach Efron, the Steph, uh, Stephen King movie. And again, a steaming pile of trash. Yeah. So those are the last three terrible movies I've seen. I can't wait to write my review for fire, for Firestarter because I'm just going to rip it to shreds. Yeah, I'm playing to, now that it's on stream, I'm going to watch the Sonic sequel. Apparently I've heard some good things about that. I'm, What's What service is that on? I don't know. I don't know. Paramount Plus. Ooh, I'll be checking that out. I like the first Sonic. I did. Yeah, it, I think it's actually on day of recording. It dropped on Paramount Plus, so. Really? Yes, today's the day. Interesting. Okay, good to know. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna watch that soon. And in terms of HBO stuff, I will get. I will st- again. I'm saying this on the podcast before. Winning Time is probably my, my favorite show of the year thus far. People have loved it. I still haven't watched it yet, but people have, have absolutely loved it. Have you heard of the Staircase on HBO Max? I'm have you wa- checked that out yet? I, I am watching it. My girlfriend loves it. She's she's four episodes in, I think, or three, however many episodes there are. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I'm going to finish it and you have to watch it after me so we can talk about it. So I think that might be the next series that's on my list after I finish some movies. Yeah, that, that show is very good. The acting is very good. I mean, are you sure you've heard about the actual case it's based on, right? Right, exactly. So yeah. I've heard the rough case, but I don't know a lot about it. I just know it exists. Um, and my girlfriend saw Colin Firth and she thought it was a movie, but it turns out to be a series. Yeah. So she said great things. Though, so I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, I mean, the people, like, in this case are, like, cuckoo bananas. So, like, it's obviously a, a lot of fun story playing through here. And I do like the fact, I mean, they have Tony Collette in the show playing Kathleen Peterson, who actually... Oh, I love Tony Collette. Yeah, and they do a good job in the in the show. I'm not just using her as a victim. They actually do flashbacks to, like, their life prior to the murder. Or that. So, like, they do utilize her as not just a corpse. They actually have her be a, a living, breathing character. It's different than a lot of these other Netflix projects, like, uh, staircase-related projects thus far. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, I definitely plan on checking it out because I've heard great things about that. So yeah. that's the one on HBO Max you need to add to my queue. Yeah, there's a big cast in that, in that show. I mean, Sophie Turner is in it as one of the daughters. Uh, I forget who else. I think Patrick Schwarzenegger is one of the sons. There's a lot. But here's the thing. HBO just books out good shows. Like we, uh, they have that new show that's based off The Wire, The Baltimore Cops. Yeah. Um, stars the guy, stars John Bernthal. But th- that one's supposed to be getting great reviews as well. Is it not We Own the Night or something like that? No, yeah. that's, that's a Mark Wahlberg movie or Joaquin Phoenix movie, but it's like a, it's basically in the same spirit of the wire and everyone's raving about that series as well. Yeah. I will, I will die on the hill of winning time. Now that's my number one pick of the year thus, thus far in terms of shows. All right. Well, it's, it's in my queue. I just got to eventually watch. I just haven't, I just haven't watched it yet. If, if you're a big Adam McKay guy, this is a very, very, very much like Adam McKay energy. We own this city is the TV show I'm talking about. Not we own the night. We own this city. And Adam McKay needs to get back on my good side. Let's be honest, because um, after don't look has, up. Yes, correct. <laughs> and wasn't he involved with the bubble? Uh, no, that was uh, Judd Apatow. Oh well, then he needs to get back on my good side as well. <laughs> uh, I confused the two of them. So 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. Absolutely, John. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'll be following social media. Keep up what you're doing over at uh, Stanko Stance. Uh, you could follow me at Twitter or any social media platform at jstanko99, or I do a bunch of my writing at stankosstance.com. Absolutely. And for people who are fans of John Stanko, we might be seeing him on some of the Sky Guys stuff coming up soon. We, we, scheduling still be style here, but there is a possibility. I think that I think we're, we're going to make it happen. We're both very excited for Kenobi. Uh, the trailers have really hyped it up. Um, you are a Star Wars nut. You know all the backstory and the lore, and I'm a fan. So we're going to come at it from two, two different perspectives, I think. But I think we're both ready to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have we did do our character draft on the preview podcast this week. And I will spoil one of my picks here for those who have not listened to that yet one here. I took uh, Ahsoka to show up in the show. Uh, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I think that's a fair prediction. Because I think she, her relationship with Kenobi from the Clone Wars is also underrated. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But they would not have her show up with an episode with Darth Vader because they have a big face-off. They would not spoil what happened in Rebels with, uh, with that putting anything in Kenobi. No, my theory with that is is that like when he goes to whatever planet he's on, the second planet where they have all the casinos and stuff, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's going to run into her there. That would be my hunch. All right. I can I could appreciate that guess. I like that. So you take you take the shot that uh that Ahsoka's gonna be in Kenobi, and I take the shot that Tom Hanks might be nominated for best supporting actor with El- with uh, with Elvis. Yeah, well no if I'm right last sooner than if you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't you know I gotta wait till next February. Absolutely, John. Thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right, and that will do it for our first show of the week. I wanna thank our guests, Sandra Rosa, for coming on to talk all about the first four episodes of volume one of Stranger Things season four. I just want to thank John Stanko. We just heard talking about our summer movie preview. A lot of fun stuff there. If you want to stuff like this podcast, including our wrap-up of Star Wars Celebration, a lot of news came out of that convention at Anaheim over the weekend. Check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. Speaking of the Sky Guys, we have a lot of fun going on over that podcast. You saw in your feeds this week the Obi-Wan Kenobi preview show, and if we a recap, are up in the podcast feed. Those are day and date releases. For all the future episodes of the show, you're going to have to wait a few days on the Just on the Suffering feed. Yeah, close of the weekend. If you want it the day after you record, which in most cases will be in your feeds on Thursday, check out the Sky Guys podcast feed. Again, that is the Sky Guys on a little favorite podcast platform at the top of the show. Also follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. That's going to do it for the first show of the week. Coming up next week, actually on Wednesday, excuse me, we're going to dive into some more sports. We can do the NBA Finals preview, talk the Rangers, and more. Have a good week, everybody. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.